On Wednesdays, we wear pink. You're entering a cosmic void. Welcome to A Cosmic Void. I'm Biggs. I'm Jeremiah. So for those of you who couldn't hear, Jeremiah literally spent seven minutes trying to find a quote, <laughs> gave up and said that one. <laughs> I was gonna do I was gonna do the one where it's like she's all like, and that's the day he asked me the most important question. What day is it? Uh, it's October third. <laughs> that's always a that, quote that stuck out with my head with this movie. That quote's so fetch. Ah right. <laughs> You're supposed to say <laughs> I want my picture back. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> So today we're covering Mean Girls from 2004. What's your history with this movie, Jeremiah? Uh, So I've talked about how my mom fucking ruined and scarred my life with watching, you know, fucking horror movies, right? Well, there's the other side, which makes a little more sense and watching rom-coms and chick flicks. And uh, I also watched Mean Girls with my mom. <laughs> so I did not know how iconic it was going to be until I grew up and I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that movie. It's a really good movie. And then people were like, no, it's like a really good movie. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, Dude, it like literally, uh, it captures such a moment in time of like the culture of teenagers, <laughs> you know, and like how they treat each other and like just so many different things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my history with this was I went to the theater to see it in 2004. It was the Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. movie was all I knew about it. It had Tina Fey. It had Tim Meadows. It had Anna Gasteyer. Wow, I didn't know Amy Tina Fey. Oh, yeah. She's and the Amy teacher. Poehler. Yeah. Uh, That's Amy Poehler right. is the, the – she's not a regular mom. She's a cool mom. Right. <laughs> I thought it was great. Nobody I knew had seen it when, when I went to watch it. But I think I was a little bit old for the age group. Perhaps because it was definitely marketed to teenagers, which was the entire audience. Yeah, I was like 12 or something when I saw it. I was fairly young. You would have been right around the right age. Maybe just skewing a little young. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's definitely meant for like the freshmen. The freshmen, yeah. And then I moved to Olympia. I remember it came out on DVD when I was in Olympia. And that first year I was there, I just had no friends in the city. Uh, I had a girlfriend who could only really hang out with me one week of the month because she worked at this group home basically like full time, uh, like living in the group home. And so I was alone a lot. And so I just consumed everything with this movie. And I thought it was really great. Did not know the impact it would have. Yeah, I mean, it was right. definitely a hit, but it wasn't like a barn burner hit. This is going to be around forever movie. Didn't seem like. And then no, yeah, it's I, one of those things that like keeps growing on you. And every time I watch it, I laugh so much to the point of where I put it on my Mount Rushmore of comedies. Oh yeah, for like yeah. the two thousands. Like I, I would for myself. This is just for me. No, no, I would put no. Like, that's a that's a thing. General thing. I think. I think that 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 Mean Girls has definitely earned that status of like this is definitely a top two thousands movie. Yeah, it definitely has that cult following, which is surprising because when you like, that's why I brought up like I saw it as a kid. And like like you said, you didn't understand the impact of it because like it, it didn't feel that way back. And I then. don't think it had the immediate 
impact. Yeah. It just kept like it's like the thing, but quicker in terms yeah. of its audience because the thing took a long time to like really build to where it became considered a classic. I think Mean Girls took about seven or eight years to get there to where people were like, "This is a stone cold classic." Oh and, yeah, no, dude, for everyone, like in different different worlds, like uh, not just you know the jock uh, and his preppy girlfriend are watching this movie. It's like every every different subculture is enjoying everyone is enjoying this movie because it's so like real <laughs> you yeah, know <laughs> yeah it, it does a really good job and we'll get into the book that it's based off of later on That's, i just it. saw that and i was that, that blew me away i didn't know that that was a thing yeah i've read the book it makes sense i'll, I'll get into it, it makes later. sense though I, yeah. I i get it but um i i did want to say it's on my my personal mount rushmore of comedies i would put this on there in some order with anchorman which came mm-hmm. out the same year mm-hmm. walk hard the dewey cox story mm-hmm. and hot rod like those are just the four movies that came out in the 2000s that I just to me they're unimpeachable they're mm-hmm. funny every time I watch it they age super well you missed one movie though which well is Mount this- Rushmore is only four <laughs> <laughs> ah. oh dude okay alright if well, I'm well, gonna uh, can I can I, yeah, yeah, can, I can I make my <laughs> Mount Rushmore of uh, 2000s strictly comedy movies uh, Anchorman's on there that's probably number one yeah honestly uh, Superbad is on there because Superbad's the, the one that a lot of people would put on. That's there. the start I, of I the, the, the Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen thing. Which no, is, it's not. But it's oh, I mean, uh, modern day. Not I'm just I'm not including Freaks and Geeks because okay. that that didn't continue after. I that. mean, you had like Forty Year Old Virgin before that, though. Really? Oh okay. yeah, yeah. 100%. So then Forty Year Old Virgin would be. But if you're talking about the the relationship between the two of them, yeah, that started you do a long, go back to Freaks and long, Geeks for sure. I'm talking about modern day because yeah. like there's modern there's free, <laughs> there's so free. old where you have to say modern day. <laughs> That's fucked up, right? Where it's like I remember the first time my friend. Told also, me. by the way, shows that were also in the 2000s. <laughs> just want to say. <laughs> like uh, maybe around the time of me <laughs> slightly before so right um no so it's gonna be probably anchorman a 40 year old virgin because that's the start of the seth rogan thing which i think really has such a big impact on like comedy now mm-hmm. like everything is that kind of bases their comedy humor kind of around that whole awkward like you're supposed to say something oh you know to, you know what i mean yeah, like, and not to poke more holes in what you said earlier but like also knocked up before <laughs> super bad yeah yeah no for sure <laughs> For like sure. Seth Rogen and, and Apatow were clearly yeah. rolling at this point. I would the say then, the I would say probably Knocked Up would be the one because I feel like that's the one where Seth Rogen really started, that started becoming that thing where it's like, oh, the normal stoner guy is kind of like. Well, he's the lead of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that would probably, so it would be Anchorman, Knocked Up, uh, Mean Girls, and then, um, oh, it's a good fourth. I want to go very obscure kind of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 2000s, okay, it's not a movie, but I want to do a TV show, and I want to say a lot of people are going to hate me. I don't like this show, but I understand why it's important. <laughs> Your list has gotten so great. My personal Mount Rushmore for movie comedies. Now you're doing a TV show that you don't Because even it's like. important to the culture of like what humor would become, you know, now. And it's got to be uh, The Office. Okay, fair. The Office. I, I actually love The Office. I don't. To, I don't like – Michael Scott is so cringe that it – Yeah. 
He's supposed to be. It just totally takes me away from the show to the point where, like, I had to, like, play the first season and not watch it. The irony (laughs) is Because it was so fucking cringe. I will say the irony of that with The Office is that, like, that that is a common thing. People are always like, I'm prison Mike. I just got out of Azkaban. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, he is the American version of Ricky Gervais in the British show. Oh, yeah. Of which a lot of people are like, because, like, Ricky Gervais says shit that, like, honestly is so politically incorrect you just could not get away with it on american television at the time especially on sitcom so michael scott was like as far in that direction as you could go but it's also him with the what's up and all that stuff which maybe you don't even get that reference oh no i didn't it's like yeah (laughs) no i don't but but it's all doing black comedy and things like that in a black voice like and i totally understand why people don't like it i I get Mm -hmm. it but also just want to say i'm not one of those people that does like a million run-throughs of the office either like i watched it when it was on and then i was done with it i did the first two seasons and then i was like i I paid my time (laughs) i'm gonna let myself out of fucking uh comedy jail and just enjoy life outside of comedy i think you should enjoy comedy you know (laughs) but we are talking about mean girls so we should jump back on it. Katie starts high school in the States after living her life in Africa. She develops a crush on a boy, setting up a conflict with the most popular girl in her school, as well as her friend and me, Regina George. Can Katie navigate life in high school, get the boy, and avoid becoming her own worst enemy? You're entering the void. Sixteen-year-old homeschooled Katie Heron and her zoologist parents, Betsy and Chip, Heron returned to the United States uh, after a 12-year research trip in Africa, settling in Evanstown, Illinois. On her first day at North Shore High School, the first school she has ever attended, Katie attempts to make new friends, but to no avail. The next day, she meets and befriends Janice Ian and Damien Lay. They educate Katie on the school's various cliques and warn her to avoid the most popular and the infamous one, the plastics. Okay, so I think this movie does a pretty smart thing in setting it up in that they take Katie and have her be from outside the country completely. So she's divorced from not just high school, but the pop culture around high school. Mm. You can't honestly say that with any teen teenager nowadays that they don't understand the click system at the very least from media right like it's there whether it's true or not breakfast club yeah that's like one of the first examples of like what that would become you know yeah it's definitely like a grandfather of these kinds of things oh yeah and she has no context for any of it so they really smartly set that up where it's like she comes in, she is like a lamb to the slaughter going to high school, but she's also very intelligent. And so she's going to find her way in this, right? And she's looking at it almost like an anthropological thing, right? Like they have a lot of things where they're like calling back to her talking about beasts jumping on each other and tearing each other apart and things like that. Well, she sees – uh uh, society in a more primal state because she doesn't have that facade over her eyes of like how media kind of tells you to kind of like you know the, the fake plastic like even right there the plastic the plastics because right. they're so fake, fake right uh she doesn't see that she sees animals in their primal states right so she just puts that kind of knowledge 
right over like the people she's encountering. So I feel like she kind of just has seen it in that kind of perspective. Whereas these kids kind of grew up in that. So they're just a part of that culture already where she's just totally divorced from it. <laughs> and then, of course, the two friends she makes are the kind of friends that like aren't the most popular kids. Yeah, the but goth the- girl and nerd, right? <laughs> yeah. But like theater nerd. Yeah, theater, oh, maybe maybe not. Cut. They don't say theater nerd, but I did read Tina Fey's autobiography and it talks about the guy that she based that character off of and he was a theater nerd. It makes complete sense. Like yeah. when you think about it from that context, because I was friends with a lot of theater bro, nerds. Bro, and, which one am I? Uh, out of what? Out of those three, those three kind of characters, which one of those kids do you think I am? Theater nerd, goth kid, or what else? Foreign exchange African student. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard. This is a hard question because who you are in high school is not who you are as an adult. Mm-hmm. So if I was to guess of the three, I'm using context of things that you've told me before. <laughs> I'm going to say theater kid. Yeah, it was the theater kid and the goth kid. <laughs> because I just remembered you talked about reading a book oh, from a, a kid in theater. Oh, so damn I'm it. literally, you, you tipped it off year, oh, like I was hoping I didn't, I didn't say that story. I was like, oh, this will be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think you talked yeah. about it on Fight Club. Like the, yeah, no, Chuck I Paul definitely. Yeah, I definitely was a theater kid. Yeah, I loved theater. I just love shit like that and monologues. I was not in a clique. I was friends with a lot of people. I was friends with some jocks because I was on the newspaper. And so, like, I wrote the sports part of it. And so I made a lot of friends with those kids. I was friends with a lot of the drama kids. Uh, I was friends with a couple goth kids. I was honestly friends with pretty much every clique except for like the the hick clique, which was a a thing when I was in high school for sure. It was like the kids who were on the edge of going to our other high school, Capitol High, who are usually kids like away from the city and on farms or whatever. So that was really the only clique. I, I spent a little bit of time hanging out with some of those kids, but we never really clicked because kind of universally we just disagreed on everything but I had a weird like reach into a lot of worlds so I never fit a nice box as I figured most people probably don't you know I don't think most people can be summed up by a click well, but there are so, definitely some people that are now <laughs> it's so different though with kids like 21 Jump Street where yeah. he's just like the jocks the nerds I don't know what the fuck that is <laughs> <laughs> right he's just all like fucking with the long hair he's all like super emo that's just so funny dude yeah <laughs> kids these days are so different now though because everyone's just like so many different shades of different colors that it's not just like we don't see it clear because we're out of that age group. Just that's, from, that's what it is. Like I've, I've got a glimpse. I've got a glimpse because I've got. I've just gone through two high schoolers going through my house, and I I have some like well three. I have three people who are in high school that are around my house all the time. So I got a closer look at this, but I still don't fully understand it, and I'm not yeah. going to pretend to. Isn't that weird how it switches? Yeah, a I moment mean, you're think, in it, and then the next moment you just oh kicked out the door on the fucking curve. Like oh, I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's definitely a thing. The older you get, you see that kids are basically the same. But when you start to get into, like, the specifics, it's wildly different. Oh, and yeah. that's the stuff where you can, like, obsess over because you're like, I don't fucking get this. Yeah. But no. it's because you have no context to get it, right? Like, TikTok culture. I don't understand it at all. And my kids are all obsessed with that, you mm-hmm. know? And that's, like, a really, really big thing for teenagers. I don't fucking get it. Well, TikToks is the new stand-up comedy. Yeah. You might be <laughs> you might be right in that's a way. Like, that's, like, what, how I look at it is it's, like, the new version of – which I'm, I don't agree 
agree with. I think that's blasphemy, but like I mean, it's I just, think it's that everything changes. It's all it's all funny ten second humor jokes. Oh, there's or, a lot of dancing or, too, though, uh, and that's what my nostalgia kid, specifically. My girls are very into the dancing videos, and it, it's either dancing or cats for them. Dude, like, so so it's dancing comedy. Or um, shit really do be like that. It's I, all that kind of like I have noticed there's, <laughs> humor. there's women that are a couple years younger than me that are constantly posting on their stories things from TikToks of like somebody staring straight at a camera and giving a political rant. I've definitely noticed right. those as well. <laughs> like I do think TikTok's expanding and maybe someday I'll be on it the way it's going. Like it's right. just slowly right. It's out, all like, stuff Facebook. like that. It's all that fucking office style look in the camera. Or really though kind of humor like it's all that that's what I'm saying that's why it's so important for Seth Rogen to become big with Judd Apatow because I feel like he really sets that flavor of like relatable comedy because that's all that is right it's just just, like relatable comedy where it's not just uh, this dude would never be in this situation and you know it's I feel like comedy now is more like real like I listen to it's it's based off of a lot of reality shows if we're being honest because it's so inundated in the culture that like but the even, office is a perfect example of that. They are delivering that show like a reality TV show. And we find out in season 11 of The Office, did it go that far? I'm not sure anymore. I don't know, but bro. like in the last season, you finally get to see parts of the documentary that they're making. It's really? like, yeah, it's like for a PBS show, they finally break the third wall on that and show you some stuff. So That's it's like, crazy. Yeah. Because like they had to address it. Like at some point, it was happening too often and they played with it more like enough over the years where you had to like address it before the show was over. I mean, because then you get you get you get Parks and Rec from that, which I think yes, is the which real is also in the same, in oh, the same it's style. the same. Yeah, it's the same. But it's the same thing. But there's no different. documentary and there's no addressing it because like that's just became what comedies were. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like comedies are more like that now than they aren't. Yeah. I, and it's funny that we're we're sitting there like pulling apart culture and trying to figure out these things because that's exactly what Mean Girls is doing. That's it's, what I'm saying. That's why it's so genius that. Like when you have these conversations when you're talking about what should be a marketed chick flick for teenagers, maybe not maybe specifically a chick flick, but it's definitely a a movie marketed towards teens. And uh, I definitely feel more on the girl side for sure. For sure. More on the girl side. I saw that strictly because I knew it as an SNL joint. Like I didn't really pay attention to the See, I didn't know it was an SNL joint until now. Like Lauren Michaels produced it. I know Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. That makes sense. And a gas tire. Yeah. Like the one in the sweaty ball sketch. Yeah. Like one of the NPR people. Like she was in it. And Tim Meadows, like, is the principal, right? Setting up what he'd do in the Goldbergs later <laughs> and, like, schooled and all that. But, yeah, it's like it's through and through an SNL movie. It's just marketed to teenagers, which really sets it aside of most mm-hmm. uh, SNL joints. But, but. It's, it's just so genius because you, you have those conversations from what, like I said, what should be a fucking, like, just a movie. And you have those conversations that you're depicting, like, you're, you're puts comedy in such an interesting kind of context where it's like this is high school this is funny this is like I don't I don't know it's just interesting specifically as high school girls yeah. right like yeah. we have a couple of male high school characters but it's really really centered on yeah. five girls probably six girls and they're, they're, they're the boys are mostly duffs in this w- what does that mean oh my friend I don't know designated ugly fat friend 
<laughs> you should I'm watch. Familiar with that. Trope. You should watch. You should watch the movie. <laughs> I am so familiar with that. So, trope, but I just didn't know the name. I have of it. homework for everyone that listens to this. If you enjoy Mean Girls, you need to watch Duff because that is a similar movie in the sense, but. This is more about uh, your side friend that you have friends with that you think you're better than. And it's about oh, that kind of thing yeah, in high school. Yeah, that's exactly what, what Mean yeah. Girls is too. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, You got Regina it's, George who thinks she's better than everybody yeah. in her group, but she lords over them because as long as they're in her orbit, yeah. they get to be popular too. Right. Right? And like, it, yeah, that's – what it's all about, but where are we at in the, in oh, the plot Oh, dude, here? just the beginning. This is already going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Got like two scenes into the movie. <laughs> I know, right? Beautiful and mean Queen Bee, Regina George. Rich but insecure. Gretchen Wieners. Uh, <laughs> sweet but dim-witted. Karen Smith, my favorite. The Plastics uh, take an interest in Caddy after defending her against a sexist classmate and invite her to sit with them at lunch. After learning about the invitation, Janice asks Caddy to befriend the Plastics and spy on them for her. Uh, yeah. So. so why do you think that Regina George brings Katie into the circle? Like, I have a theory on this, but I'm curious why you think that. Oh, bro, because she's the new thing. She's the new thing. She's, she's the, the it. Girl. She's the it. And not only is she the new girl, she's a foreign new girl. So it's like I feel like that kind of – like I, like when I was in high school, I don't know if it was like this for you, but the foreign per- – there's always a foreign exchange student, right? And like that person's always like, oh, I want to be friends with that person. That dude's from Mexico, dude. We should be friends with that guy. That guy's cool, right? That's I feel interesting. Like that. I was in a more xenophobic time where like the, the exchange student, some people were interested, but there was a lot of kids that were just like, they ain't American, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Helena was a lot more rednecky when for I was sure. in high school, for, for sure. sure. But uh, I think you're halfway there on my theory, which is I do think she was the shiny new thing. But I think there's also an element of like Regina George wants to get her in the group so that she can have her sublimated to her. I think she sees like the potential for Katie to kind of take over. So it's like, nope, the enemy that is close to me, I can hold down easier, right? Like it's harder <laughs> to, to fire shots from a distance. That's so. such a crazy thing you just said to me because it's like if you're saying that that's how you think it is, that means that she is sees a new person and is like I need to control them immediately yep. <laughs> like, that's exactly that what I'm saying so fucking crazy because like, like I think like Regina that. George immediately feels a, like a spider sense of like a threat so she's right. just like I need to bring this girl in like, because it retains my popularity but also <laughs> like it's easier to shoot somebody from point blank than from like 70 yards off you know what I mean right <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> Katie soon learns. She's, they spell her name so weird. I know, C-A-D-Y. C-A-D-Y. God damn it. <laughs> Katie soon learns about the burn book, a scrapbook the plastics have made that is filled with horrible rumors, secrets, and insults about other girls and some teachers at school. Using the book, Janice devises a plan to get back at Regina, but Katie is reluctant, thinking Regina is a good friend. She hasn't been burned by Regina yet. So she doesn't see how 
Regina George operates as Queen Bee, really. She sees, like, the top of the pyramid kind of thing. And sees her tearing down her friends a little bit, but not enough to really get a sense of, like, this is an awful person because she's coming in cold on this. She seems to think the best about everybody, right? Like, the sexist comment that happens to Katie earlier, it washes over her. He says something about buttering her muffin. She has no idea what he's talking about at all. And so she doesn't see it, but this burn book is really starting to, like... It, it's got to be in the back of her mind a little bit. And she probably doesn't want to reveal anything with the book because it would hurt other people's feelings, right? Like, I, I feel like that's a core to I think she starts out very good to the core. And of course, we're going to see that change and change again. Kitty falls in love with Regina's ex-boyfriend, Aaron Samuels, and purposely fails math, a subject she is gifted at, to have a reason to talk to him. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, Regina finds out about Katie's interest and Aaron and jealously steals him back at a Halloween party by kissing him in front of Katie. This spurs Katie to fully commit to Janice's plan to cut off Regina's resources, breaking Regina and Aaron up, tricking Regina into eating Swedish nutrition bars that cause her to gain weight, and turning Regina's fellow plastic against her in the process. Katie unwittingly remakes herself in Regina's image, becoming spiteful and superficial, and abandons Janice and Damien. She likes this boy. She's only liked one boy before and Regina had like thrown away this boy like clearly did not care about him and then suddenly gets with him because Katie wants him right like she views that as some sort of threat uh, because it seems school. to be understood yeah uh, it, high school. it seems to be understood in the group you just don't double dip with somebody who has been gone out with in the group and so Regina's trying to claim her throne so this is where you really see Katie start to spin out right like she's doing awful things you know what but I would not just to Regina but like to Jan as you were saying, like, and Janice kind of has it coming too because she's trying to destroy Regina at any cost. And they don't really examine it too much, but she's using Katie to get to Regina as well. Yeah, because they were friends too back in the day, weren't they? Yeah. So it's like you've got these three people that are subtly trying, not even subtly, like openly trying to destroy each other. Katie's the only one who's subtle about it. The other two are like. Right. Uh, I would love to see a, a, a National Geographic version version of Mean Girls where it's just a dude narrating like <laughs> animalistic behaviors over the movie where it's like, now Regina seeing... We kind of see that in the movie already, right? Like we see, Katie we see clips of like... <laughs> Of, of like zebras or like whatever attacking right. the herd and stuff, right? And then you'd like juxtapose <laughs> uh, that with like quick imaginary cuts of them like smacking the shit out of each other or, or whatever. Or when Regina gets hit by the truck. Right. And they're like, the they're like putting sounds of ape noises and things over it to make it seem wild when they're right. fighting in these imaginary scenes. Like, yeah, they're already doing it. Basically, they've right. drawn the line for you. <laughs> Uh, when Regina becomes aware of Katie's treachery, she retaliates by spreading the burn books contents all over the school, quickly inciting socially motivated brawls throughout the halls. She literally incited a fucking uh, prison riot, dude. Yeah, this is where Regina George, this is where you see the the depths of like 
how <laughs> crazy malignant she is, she is. Yeah. just malignant dude because it's not even crazy like crazy is like you'll do anything she is very calculated in the way she gets revenge because yes she does go crazy for a second while she's screaming what does she do she goes straight to that burn book writes this really awful thing and then you see her own picture on it and then she's crying to tim meadows talking about how like katie had this burn book with the other girls, right? Like she's going to burn it all down to get revenge. Like it's very, very calculated. And then she walks out and just immediately has photocopies of the book and is throwing it all over the hall so that when everybody's coming out, they see every little page of everything. Like she has just manufactured this situation where everybody gets burned. Yeah. We're like, if you like legitimately. Not the way it happens. Like there's not going to be a riot, (laughs) but like I think something like that absolutely works when you talk right now how that's done is somebody shit posts and then (laughs) i'm not even kidding man like i have watched my girls destroyed over this stuff yeah and i'm sure that they participated in it as well i won't say who but there is a business here in helena that got blasted because they the, the owner, which I love very much, I very much love that business, but that dude did not know how to run a business. Sorry, bro. But <laughs> he said some very not cool stuff to a teenage uh, employee that was working there. Not anything like sexual, but just like angry at kids being fucking kids when it's his business, you know, which he was, he was right to be angry, but he posted it on Facebook and was like, basically blew up on a kid and then that kid's fucking mom put that on the classifieds and then everyone is like fuck that guy yeah well let me give you a <laughs> you spe- said what to that fucking kid like <laughs> let me give you a specific example what what i'm talking about is like you will get kids that have say something through messenger something right. that's not snapchat because it's hard to you know grab messages from snapchat i think that's the point if you if you but, take a screenshot sure. it'll tell the other person so yeah, that's sure. why it's like but what they do is they will take dialogue and they will set up somebody in it like we see it in this movie when they're doing phone calls there'll be three-way phone calls and one person doesn't know a third person is listening in on the conversation that is what wow, happens on, that is kind of like that's pre- exactly what's happening right now with social media is they will take a conversation thread and they'll go specifically to something that they know will get them in trouble and the second they put it out they screenshot it and then they spread it to friends who spread it to friends and then everybody like dog piles on that person and then it's become so different to the last person that hears it that it's like not even the same story <laughs> but even if they see it like they've put you into a compromised situation that makes everybody dogpile and they may not understand the context in which it was intended or it could just be your blown off steam because mm. literally everybody says shit about somebody else Biggs, can that I just happen can I blow up about something real fast yeah uh when I was a kid I could not wait to have a phone a house phone as an adult and I will Never get that opportunity, <laughs> and I'm so you can have upset. It right now, it's probably like it's probably like twenty dollars, dude. Yeah, it Why is the pointless. fuck would I have a house phone? <laughs> I have a cell running phone. a business out of your house. I can't see any other reason. I know. I was. I remember the moment I got like a second line for me, and I was like, I can't wait for someone to call me. And I would just sit in my room playing games, just looking at my phone because right, they were trying <laughs> to text you, and it kept like kicking.
thinking back the message. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I never got the second line either. So uh, if it makes you feel better. Like, yeah. I had to deal with this shit from having a landline where we had multiple phones, but it was one of those. And I never had one in my room. Never even thought to ask for one. But, like, there was stuff where you would, like, pick up and then you wouldn't know that somebody was listening on the other end because they'd press mute and then pick up the receiver and you couldn't hear that somebody else was listening on the mm-hmm. line. That shit happened. Mom, all get off the, the phone. Yeah, yeah. That that was shit that <laughs> happened for a while. At some point in the eighties they put that mute Do you remember button. do you remember dial up? Yeah. Dude, that was when I was in high school. Ricky, get off the computer. I'm on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a long way of saying all this stuff from Mean Girls still applies today. Oh, yeah. It's just different. different It's just a different form. Everything's the same. It's just different. Treachery. She retaliates by spreading the burn books contents all over the school, quickly inciting socially motivated brawls throughout the halls to avoid suspicion. Regina inserts a fake libel of herself in the book to blame Katie, Gretchen, and Karen. The only female juniors not mentioned in the book. Uh, Karen convinces uh, Principal Ron Duvall they did not write the book. Duvall quells the fighting and gathers all junior girls and the gymnasium. Right. So we have, first off, one of the workers is Phyllis in the office. Like the the one with the glasses and the kind of wavy hair. Like she's in the office and uh, she comes in and she's like, sir, the girls have gone wild. Which like was maybe the funniest joke in 2004 because. Uh, they took over. <laughs> well, girls Gone Wild was a very real thing. It was a series of Yikes. videos where girls would like go topless and they for had fucking it's basically for a, a t-shirt video footage of new orleans mardi gras yes that's basically but they would what do skeezy stuff like in 2004 when this movie came out girls gone wild came to this fucking club in olympia and they were passing out shirts to girls who would go topless and i i, I did not go like I, it just sounded so skeezy yeah and then i found out from some people that were there like it was the saddest thing because they were like really nagging girls to try and get them to go topless and most of those girls were just there to have a drink and didn't realize right. like why the fuck is there a camera crew here you know right uh, it's uh it's gross when uh you realize what it is for sure when she yells the girls have gone wild like everybody fucking lost it in the theater i think that one's been lost the time a little bit if you're like well that was part 40. of the culture dude yeah i remember that shit that was part of the culture doug stanhope did that shit too and then he also posts his regrets with that too as well and that dude is not the guy that's like I regret what I did. Like no, he he's ruined, a kind of a skeezy. Yeah, dude. he's a skeezy fuck. But yeah. that dude even was like, ah, I don't think I should have did that. That was kind of gross. <laughs> it wasn't kind of gross, Doug. It was like mostly <laughs> was very fucking gross. gross. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, and then we have Tim Meadows addressing everybody in a fucking undershirt holding a bat with, like, his bandaged <laughs> arm. Like, it's so funny. Right. <laughs> um, the math teacher, Miss Snowberry, makes the girls face how they mistreat each other and apologize to each other and teachers. The plan succeeds as friendships are rekindled. When Janice's turn comes, she defies Norbury, confessing she plans to destroy Regina with Katie's help and openly mocks Regina. Gina, drawing praise from other students pursued by an apologetic Katie Regina storms out of the school and is struck by a school bus fracturing her spine let's stop right there because there's a lot in that auditorium scene that I want to address yeah 
Tina Fey playing that teacher, that math teacher, she has this relationship with Katie we really haven't touched on where she's looking at Katie as this really smart kid who's coming in and she really wants the best for Katie. She's trying to get her into the mathletes, but Katie doesn't want to go into the mathletes because suddenly she's with the plastics. Well, it sucks because Katie was so fucking like pure from all that American bullshit we put on our kids. Fucking ruined her. And that's like what this is also kind of like making fun of is like that kind of mindset. And so when she's going through this, she's addressing kids one by one, right? And, like, kids are confessing to things that they've said. She's like, is there anything you want to say, Katie? Because Katie had said something about – she said a shitty comment about her teacher just trying to, like, get in with the plastics early on and said, I think she deals drugs to make up for, like, the fact that they saw her talking to her teacher out in the mall, I think. Mm -hmm. And so they put it in the burn book. So that meant that the teacher was being investigated for drugs. Like, that's about to happen, right? And so she's like, Katie, is there anything you want to say? And Katie's like, no. And she's like, I'm very disappointed in you, Katie. And she moves on. Then we also have that scene with Regina George where where she's like, I was the one victimized here. I don't feel like I should be sitting in here with everybody. And she goes, all right, everybody raise your hand if you feel personally victimized by Regina George. Literally everybody raises her hand. And then you get this beat. And then... uh, Phil is from The Office. I don't know her character's name, but she looks like sheepish for a second and then she raises her hand too. (laughs) Right? She's a fucking bitch. (laughs) And then she's walking through all this stuff and is working out things. But yes, Janice shows to the end she's just going to cut down Regina George and everybody's happy about this because like Regina George has made people's lives a living hell. But has Janice learned a lesson? No. That's something I think people gloss over in this movie. She learns no lessons. Like she used Katie to get to somebody else and then she's hurt because Katie turns on her. That's what but I'll... she is acting terrible too. Like it she... doesn't make what Katie did justified but she's equally bad and she never atones for it in the movie. Yeah, her and uh, Regina are pretty close alike, honestly. Yeah, in certain ways. Like, they'll do anything to destroy people who they look at as a threat. And Regina George feels worse to me, but she's only worse because she ha- she's a queen bee. She's got power, right? And Janice does not have power because mm. Regina has reduced her much as she was trying to reduce everybody else around her in high school. Uh, Brumer spread that Katie pushed Regina in front of the bus because she gets hit by that bus and fractures her spine. Shunned by her peers and grounded by her parents, Katie takes full blame for the burn book. After making amends with Regina, she joins the mathletes in the state championship finals to make up for the math test. She failed. Katie answers the tiebreaker correctly and the school wins the championship at the spring fling dance. Regina's new boyfriend, Shane Omen, is elected king while Katie is elected queen on stage. Katie declares to all her classmates are wonderful in their own way, snaps her plastic tiara, and distributes the pieces to other girls in the crowd. She then reconciles with Janice, Damien, and Aaron, and reaches a truce with the plastics. Yeah, so we have the scene where the cops are coming in to investigate the drug thing with Tina Fey's character and Katie takes responsibility right there. And so that's when stuff starts to turn around on her. And then when she's in the mathletes, she has this epiphany while she's there, right? Like she does the right thing earlier, but it's just out of guilt. She has a genuine epiphany when she's up against this other girl to answer a math question where she realizes she can't insult her way into getting the right answer. She can't tear down this girl to get the right answer. She just actually has to use the the tools she has available to actually answer this question. And it's an 
epiphany to her because she realizes there's another way to approach these things and what she's been doing, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have this whole thing where her parents are on to what she's doing. They're very disappointed in her. And so they ground her. But she's going off to the mathletes. And Anna Gasteyer comes and asks her (laughs) husband, like, where's Katie? And he's like, I think she went to the spring fling. And she's like, she's grounded. And he's like, does that mean she can't leave? Like, he just has no clue how to discipline his daughter. So she shows up at the auditorium and then they watch Katie give this whole speech right as they're about to ball her out. She goes up on stage and makes amends with everybody. And I do think that's a pretty beautiful moment where she's breaking up the crown and throwing it to people, like giving everybody a piece of it. I thought that was a really cool thing when you watch that because you're used to the speeches, but like you don't see something like that where it's like she really does make these connections and shows how worthless the crown is, but it represents something. And so everybody should be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And as she's giving this whole speech, Tim Meadows is like popping in almost like third wall break. And he's like, you know, a speech isn't required. And then she keeps going and he's like, seriously, like you don't have to give a speech. Like He's trying <laughs> right. to get her off the stage. <laughs> Cause I think he doesn't want another girls gone wild situation. Yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> literal, literal animals. And then also with Regina, George with the bus. We have foreshadowing of that at the beginning beginning, of the movie because Lindsay Lohan's character, Katie, almost gets hit by a bus. And then Regina George, of course, gets hit by that bus, which the first time you watch it, you're like, what the fuck? Because they just let you hang on it for like a second, just long enough to process what the fuck happened. And then you see she's not dead, but it really seems like she's going to die the way they shot that dude. She gets hit full on. Full on by a fucking buzz. So fucked up, man. Um, I do like, too, when they're visiting Regina George. She's got her back brace and stuff, but everybody's sucking up to her because she still has the power of her tongue. You know what I mean? Like, she's not scary because she can beat up people, although we do see that when she joins the, the lacrosse team. She's scary because of the way she can, like, tear down people verbally. So everybody's <laughs> gathered around her still because they're still afraid of her. Right. <laughs> The plastic disband over summer vacation. Regina joins the cross team to deal with her anger. Karen becomes the school weather reporter. Gretchen joins the cool Asian clique. Aaron graduates from high school and attends Northwestern University while starting a relationship with Katie, who visits him on weekends. Janice begins dating mathlete Kevin Gnapper, who initially dislikes... The kid who's a rapper and a yeah, mathlete. As, uh, <laughs> he's so... He's so... <laughs> So, so hopelessly funny. You know who that reminds me of? Just humble, humble shout out to Gran Torino. When uh, have you seen that movie? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've seen that movie. I saw it in the theater. When yeah. uh, uh, what's her face is hanging out with that rap dude, and then they get harassed by those dudes, and then uh, that dude's like, "Yo, thanks, old man. You fucking helped me out." And he's like, "Shut up, pussy." <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I also like that whole thing they have with uh, Amanda Seyfried's character, where she's a weather reporter because they have a joke earlier when. Kate Katie's trying to find out her hidden talents. And she's like, or I can tell if it's going to rain by my, my breasts. Right. And then she's like, well, I can tell when it's raining. <laughs> like, right. and, she's, and so she's giving the weather report and it's raining around her. And she's like, there's a, and she like kind of cups her breasts. And she's like, 30% chance of rain. It's literally raining around her. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> As Katie reflects on the social peace that has taken over North Shore High, a group of new junior plastics has arisen, and Katie imagines them being hit by a bus like 
Regina. Yeah, which was also great because you watch yeah. that and it's not as shocking, but you're like, I can't believe they ended that way. I just course, love, I just love how like the movie ends in a way where it's like, and now peace has come over Afghanistan, and we can all hold hands and sing kumbaya, and everything is okay. And you know, it's like it's a fucking high school, bro. Like <laughs> they're treating it, it like it's so fucking like. <laughs> but we also see that like it's not lasting, which is how. Oh yeah, which is. How this movie is really set apart from other teen movies because usually you would get one or two bullies that would learn their lesson <laughs> and then everybody else has changed. Or yeah. maybe the bullies change too. But in this one, you have a new group of bullies coming in, right? Like they're showing it right there. Shit hasn't changed. Not really. You know what no, I mean? Someone takes place. Yeah. Somebody fills a power. There were vacuum. some younger kids that were freshmen that were like getting mad bullied by Regina and they probably all hung out and were like, we're plastics number two. <laughs> and then the moment they're disbanded, they're like, that's our time, girl. Well, and they also <laughs> talk about juniors so much that it makes me think there's a different social order for each year of high school in this fictional high school. Yeah. I don't think it quite works that way in most high schools. I think it's all kind of together. Freshmen are often on an island. Like, mm-hmm. they can branch out a little bit, but, like, they're kind of held down because they haven't quite figured out how high and school sophomore. works. Sophomore through senior, it's all, like, one and the same in a way. Yeah. Like, you're you're dealing with everybody. Until so. you become the god senior lord. <laughs> Right. Lord God Senior. <laughs> Lord God Senior. And seniors start to not give a fuck as much because oh, they're, yeah. they're looking ahead to like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to get out of school. And what then the fuck it am I going to do? All over again. Yeah, but it's constantly going, right? Yeah. It never stops. Like never new classes stops. keep coming in. So let's talk about the themes. Um, there's a lot of themes I could pull from this. I want to concentrate on power. I'm trying to not overkill the themes here. I used to like do a bunch. I'm just going to do one each time. Regina George is the queen bee, the most popular girl in the school, though other. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Other girls hate her. They copy her look. Students are afraid of her because when she insults someone, the insult sticks. She may be the most cruel to her clique where they put up with it so they can bask in the glory of being popular because of their proximity. Katie sets out to destroy her and in the process becomes a queen bee. She begins to behave just like her, being dismissive to her friends, spreading destructive rumors about her friends, and being elected spring fling queen. So it's all Mm -hmm. about power, It's all about the heir to the throne. First you get the money. Right. Then you get the power. Then you get the pussy. As we right. learned from Scarface. As we learned from Scarface, yes. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode yes. if you haven't heard it. No. So if you want to completely understand this movie, watch Fight Club. <laughs> right. Watch, watch Scarface, Fight Club, Scarface. And then that's because they're all equally brutal. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, movie behind the movie, I have a couple of things here. So part of Tina Fey's contract as head writer of SNL was to be able to create a movie for Lorne Michaels through Paramount. She told them that the book she was reading, Queen Bees and Wannabes, would be perfect for the movie. She didn't take into account, however, that since it was an anthropological book designed to help parents with teenage girls it's being It's a self-help bullied, book. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally a self-help book. For parents. For parents. I could tell you. I've read the book. Uh, she had to create the entire plot. So she didn't take that into account like, oh shit, I have to start this script from wholesale that I just like sold the idea to to Paramount. She threaded elements of her own high school life into it. There's a few kids in this that have the same first name of her friends in high school. So you can tell what she thought about them based off of (laughs) where they're at. Isn't that scary to do? (laughs) I think when it becomes this giant movie and the one, the characters I was reading don't come off as super terrible. So it's like, it's fine. But uh, Lindsay Lohan tried out for Regina George, but was too much like the Katie character for Faye to take that seriously. Lohan was also worried about ruining a reputation by playing the bully. So she happily accepted the lead role. Rachel 
McAdams was very polite, which is why Tina Fey gave her the part of Regina. She thought it worked well to contrast with her evil soul, which it does, right? Like she sounds like she's complimenting people, but she's really tearing down other people. While she's, she's literally doing it. the worst. <laughs> it's, you know what it is? Have you hung out with very many Southern people? I know a few Southern people. Okay. So they may or may not fit in this clique, but there is this way, particularly with some people in the South, not all, but some, particularly older women from the South. And they, they're like, oh, honey, you look so much more prettier when you move the bangs from your face. Like, they'll say something as if they're like- Being nice, but being it's- nice, You're but destroying so them. Fucking yeah. mean. <laughs> like, and that's what Regina George absolutely does. It's just that fucking aggro under the surface comment. Mm-hmm. Like she's nagging everybody, right? She's openly hostile when she can be. Right. And then when people say stuff, they're like, I'm just giving you advice. I'm being nice. Like, and it's like. Yeah, I'm trying to help you. Right. Fucking pig. (laughs) Right. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) You fucking pig is in parentheses. (laughs) Under her breath. So what are the rules? You can't buy an outfit unless the other plastics approve it. Yeah, we wear pink on Wednesdays. No oh. wearing sweatpants, as we discovered yeah, when no Regina sweatpants. George gets heavier. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> for fuck's sake, look out for buses. Yeah, for real. What the fuck? Is the title of the movie said in the movie? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Did Sylvester Stallone just come on the podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. My Stallone was coming out. I don't think so. I don't but think so. Janice does emphasize that You're Katie fucking is mean, mean girls. <laughs> she doesn't say mean girls, but she does say mean. You're a mean girl. So we get half of it in there. Yeah. I'm sure they say girls at some point. Girls mm-hmm. have gone wild. So it's there. It's yeah. just very separated, yeah. right? Does it end at the right moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. New plastics getting hit by a bus. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Does the story continue? I don't want it to, but it totally does. They made a second one, didn't they? Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. (laughs) I think it does. 20 years from now, Regina George will become famous on TikTok in a video entitled Plastic Karen for screaming at a black clerk for refusing service (laughs) after not wanting to put on a mask. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That is what happened. That is 100% Regina's future, I'm sure. The ACV MVP. Oh, man, the bus. (laughs) The bus? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, fair. It is the biggest laugh in the movie, probably. Or at least the most shocking moment. Uh, I'm going to go Tina Fey. She's the relatable teacher, writer of the damn thing, and gave Tim Meadows a preview of what he would be doing later in his career. Just perpetually playing school staff. Like That seems to be a lot of his career lately. So the reception, it made $130 million worldwide off of a $17 million budget, which is over seven and a half times its budget. Roger Ebert gave it three stars. Will teenage audiences walk out of Mean Girl determined to break their culture of clicks, gossip, and rules for popularity? Not a chance. That's built into high school, I think. But they may find it interesting that the geeks are more fun than the queen bees, that teachers have feelings, and that you'll be happier as yourself as anybody else. I guess the message is, if you have to live every day as if you might suddenly be hit by a bus. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and then Anne Hornaday of the Washington Post said, Tina Fey brings her signature brand of wry humor to the role, but her script betrays a heart humanistic streak underneath the supposed cynicism. For all its raunchy humor and the occasional gross gag, Mean Girls tells some brave truths, not just about high school, but about life. Like all good satires, there's a message worth heeding, even with its wit, when it goes for the jugular. Just don't tell the kids. That would spoil everything. And I just want to say, dude, really shouts out to Tina Fey. She is one of the greatest storytellers that we 
have as like in modern society right now. Like, have you watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Oh yeah, it's great. It is like in the very same vein of comedic truths. And I love that because it is brave to be honest about human beings and how we act and the things that we pretend to not, like, that we're not like that, but we're totally like that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, the way she does that is so genius. Like she just has this way. Like it's like, look at Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Her landlord's literally a fucking crackhead. And <laughs> she, she plays that character out so well that like when there's a scene where Titus is like, you broke into my house and sold all my stuff. Sugar. I was short rent. Like, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, that's fucking horrible that that happened. But it's so funny that like it outweighs the horribleness. Yeah. And she was doing that kind of stuff with 30 Rock as well. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And 30 Rock too. And she was a head writer of SNL for a number of its really successful years. Yeah. So she's a she's genius. She's got the chops and yeah. she's shown it. Yeah. Influences. So I wrote down two specific things. I think there's a lot of stuff here, but I would say Heather's is a big influence influence on this because to me that felt like the first high school movie where they really examined the meanest of the mean with high school mm-hmm. like you would usually see it through one or two bullies but in Heathers it's just like everybody's kind of bad in Heathers you know like everybody's awful in their own way so I think they took that from it there's also a very specific thing and this is a movie that's totally been lost to time but there was this Jim Belushi movie called The Principal it's a super <laughs> fucked up movie it was fucked up at the time it's aged even worse today but it's about a white principal who goes to a black school i know exactly you know and he has this. to he has to he does that like car race thing well that happens does that happen but, in the movie it probably does but he shows up into the school and he just winds up like literally having a battle with high school drug dealers and he's using his baseball bat and he's in his undershirt and i think they made tim meadows dress exactly like him as like an homage to that movie because it's the principal who's had enough of it which by the way underrated great line in that is when tim meadows when all the girls are going crazy he goes oh no i didn't leave the south side of chicago for this shit like i thought that was so funny i definitely have seen this movie this is hilarious i kind of want to watch this movie <laughs> so what it influenced the one that really jumped out to me was book smart because i think book smart really focused in on the high school thing but in particular they had a woman in the role who was intelligent and you don't see that very often in these movies so i think it kind of like pulled from mean girls a tiny bit and then just like went in a very different direction with it other source materials so queen bees and wannabes Mm -hmm. is the book that it was based off of so i read this book but i read an updated version of this book because the author says you have to update this book every five years because as we were saying even though the general thing is the same the specifics of it changes and so it has to be like rewritten to apply now, now all the girls. kids have cell phones. I was a part of the generation where that was just starting to become a thing. Yeah, social media has now that is absolutely game. a thing. I remember when MySpace was a thing. I remember before you had instant messages. It was literally like you would go to MySpace and fucking email someone. Yeah, and through I read a this website, book <laughs> and it felt like it would be very helpful. But I read it in February of 2020, <laughs> and then like my kids stopped going to physical school after that. So it was like, yeah, it's like and that's changed. That's now. yeah, that, that's that similar. like changed everything immediately. So it was like, well, I'm not going to get to apply anything I had on this. But they talked about the Queen Bee. There's like these seven 
different uh, personality types and they switch between them depending on what's happening. Like the whole thing with the queen bee is like this girl is the worst of the worst in high school. Like they are the worst. They're the ones that destroy like all these other girls lives around them. And they will always have a group of girls around them who like are there to like build up her confidence. But she will continue to kick them down to like raise her confidence. But every time the queen bee, for whatever reason, goes out of fashion, somebody else immediately steps into that vacuum. So everything that she talks about in that book is on display in this movie, but it's done in a, you know, in a movie format. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's really brilliant. Like it makes sense why they put Lindsay Lohan into this role where she's coming with parents who are zoologists observing animals and things like that, because you're able to like explain things from the book into the movie and introduce those concepts without it feeling weird with its exposition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something else, they had a PC game in 2009. (laughs) How crazy is that? And then uh, in 2011, ABC Family made Mean Girls 2. Tim Meadows reprised his role, but there was no other characters that were the same. It was a TV movie, so I don't know like how serious to take it. Tina Fey didn't write it. Like, Like I said, literally it was just Tim Meadows was the only one who had anything to do with the first Mean Girls. There's a Broadway musical in 2018 i heard it was a hit too i mean i don't know if that's returned but i'm not sure if broadway's returned yet so mm-hmm. we'll see and then mean girls senior year was a comic that came out in 2020 that examined what happened to all the girls when they were seniors oh that'd be interesting yeah i kind of want to check that out so did i sell this blu-ray to settle medical debt Leon associates took my copy from me but i got even by burning them in a podcast constantly and spreading it all over the internet <laughs> the last- business shut down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then last month, yes. I took Blu-rays from their CEO. Uh, this backfired later when he got hit by a bus and everybody thought I pushed him. <laughs> uh, how does That's this... probably the best one you've done. I'm on <laughs> That's a real, That was a really good one. It had to be based off of like a lot of these, right? Uh, how did this movie remind Jeremiah of Neon Genesis Evangelion? Oh, actually, I have something for this. Um, the whole concept of uh, identity and what other people are, like that's very relatable in the context of uh, Evangelion because uh, Evangelion's all about the main character, right? <laughs> okay. And then, I would say most, most yeah, things most are. Most things are, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the main character is trying to learn how to love himself, love other people, and why it's important to be around other people and why loneliness is a bad thing. And, you know, it's very relatable, like, uh, in the sense of, um, you know, uh, Shinji would be maybe a Katie and uh, Asuka would be maybe Regina. Uh, to my Evangelion fans, you'll probably giggle at that because they're both mean. And uh, <laughs> they're both very mean to Shinji. But I feel like uh, Shinji's actually into Asuka's more than Katie's into. Well, maybe if it. So if this came out in 2021, do you think Katie and Regina would get together? Would that be a thing? It, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I, right. To be clear, I don't want to ever see this movie be remade. <laughs> For but sure. I think it could be remade. I think it's like Fast Times at Ridgemont High in that specific circumstances change. But I think it gets the general nature of kids Mm -hmm. and so that will never change but whatever they're totally going to remake it someday (laughs) Probably (laughs) they already made a TV movie with it that says a lot about how much Paramount holds on to this (laughs) you know so definitely how to how uh, people relate to each other I feel like that would be the the things that are relatable in that A Cosmic Void was created and hosted by Alex Small and Jeremiah Perez the theme song was written and produced by Tom Smith follow me the show and Redwood Sound Labs on Instagram at NSF underscore network or on Facebook at facebook.com slash not safe for network. You can read short reviews 
reviews of every movie I watch on Letterboxd under Alex Big Small. Find Jeremiah on Vex Till Death. Or Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And join us next week when we're talking about I Love You, Philip Morris. Sarah as they dip in and out of topics every other week on their shiny new podcast, Dippers. Weekly pop culture news you can use, coupled with reviews, deep dives you can't refuse, and occasional interviews on Not Safe for Network. Every week, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies, tracing their influences and effects on cinema. They also occasionally suffer through a really wretched stinker in the movie podcast, A Cosmic Void. Eric and Connor will guide you through the world of wrestlers on the big screen in the show you can understand just by its title, Movies with Wrestlers.